Hey everyone, this is Jason Schappert, and you're listening to the Private Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. Hey everyone, welcome into the Private Pilot Podcast. Jason Schappert here. This episode of the Private Pilot Podcast brought to you by my book, The Secret to Perfect Landings. If landings are an area you struggle with, I encourage you to go to secrettoperfectlandings.com. Check it out. Google The Secret to Perfect Landings. Check out our book. It includes four hours of video showcasing crosswind, uh, soft field, short field type landings, all to make your next landing the best one. And that's really the topic of today's podcast. I want to talk about landings. I also want to talk about changes to our FAA written test, our private pilot FAA written test, because some big changes have certainly happened. But let's start talking about landings. You know, we've heard the the silly saying that our, our takeoffs are optional, our landings are mandatory. We've seen the NTSB, the accident database statistics that tell us 80% of all accidents happen on landing. Well, it's easy enough to to say that, you know. Landings, like we said, are the mandatory part. There's more landings than there are VFR into IMC, flying into poor weather, mid-air collisions, that sort of stuff. Landings just simply happen more frequently, so they're always going to lead that category. However, landings are where pilots brag to one another about their beautiful land. It seems to me, and maybe as a student pilot yourself possibly, uh, you can relate to this. It seems like your best landings always happen when your instructor's not there. I love sending students on their long solo cross countries because they always come back and say, man, Jason, if you were only there, my landings were so great. In fact, Jason, every time you're in the airplane, I get so nervous And that's when I bounce it in or have a firm landing. But man, when you're not there, you get your 200-pound butt out of my airplane. Man, that airplane just just comes in so nice without you, Jason. I hear these sort of stories, and I believe most of them with that being said. Mostly because I hope they had a great instructor, uh, is what I think. But who knows? The secret to perfect landings. Some of the things I teach in the book, The Secret to Perfect Landings, and one of the big the big topics I really hit home is that landings are all about where you put your eyes. And there's a lot, a lot more to it than just that. But for example, have you ever had the ground just sneak up on you? All of a sudden you're coming in, you're on final, everything's looking good. You're entering into what I call the transition phase. Again, I teach to lose that word flare from your vocabulary. Uh, I share why in the book. But you're coming in to land. You enter that transition phase, then all of a sudden, the ground comes. And you weren't expecting the ground. The ground came sooner than you even anticipated it. Chances are, you're looking, your depth of field is too shallow. I'd be willing to bet next time the ground sneaks up on you, ask yourself the question, where were your eyes? Because I... With, without a shadow of a doubt, I guarantee your eyes were just barely over the cowling, just slightly through the propeller, looking right down at the pavement. You need to take those eyes down the runway in the transition phase. 
I say that as you transition the nose to just about, just slightly above, a few degrees uh, above that level flight attitude in your landing transition, as you transition the nose, so you transition the eyes down the runway. As you transition the nose, you transition your eyes down the runway. When I say down the runway, I mean look towards the tree line. 500, 1,000, 2,000 feet, however far it is, down the runway. Move those eyes down the runway. If you find the ground sneaking up on you, it's because your depth of field is too shallow. And, and likewise, if you find yourself coming into land and you're going, oh, I know the ground somewhere, it's going to be coming up any second. Now, it's almost like if you've ever done a landing at night without a landing light. It's kind of like that. You've got no, no perspective. You, you know you're in the middle of the runway, thanks to the runway lights. You just don't know when that runway is coming. It happens a lot at night, especially if you don't have a landing light. Those types of approaches are always fun. The same kind of thing is true, though. You could be looking too far down the runway too early if you find yourself searching for the runway, thinking, oh, it should be here, it should be here, and it's not quite there. A lot of times this happens if you carry in too much airspeed as well and you go into a float. This is why I don't like students to do that dirty word that I call flare because if my airplane is, is used to coming in at 70 knots, I transition, I flare, I land, but one day I come in at 75, well, what happens to those extra five knots on that, if, on that same amount of flare, that same amount of back pressure? It translates into a little bit of altitude. 10 knots is even more, 15 knots is even more. That's why I'm so particular about coming at those right air speeds and losing that word flare because the amount of back pressure you need to apply is going to vary in wind conditions. It's going to vary in how much flaps you use. It's going to vary in how much speed you carry or fail to carry in there. It's really a, a, a game of, of feel when it comes to just blindly trying to flare at something. Yet when you transition, and you transition that nose to level flight, it's that same amount of back pressure because you're accomplishing that same goal. And that goal is this. I want you to basically do slow flight down the runway. In fact, if you struggle with landings, the first thing I want you to do when you get out to the airplane, after you do your pre-flight and everything's good to go, is I want you to stay in the pattern and I want you to do slow flight down the runway. I want you to do slow flight down the runway. I want you to not let the wheels touch the ground. I want you to hold those wheels just inches off the ground all the way down the runway as far as you deem advisable and safe. Obviously, do this with an instructor, please. Because the reason we practice slow flight is to get better at our landings. And if an instructor would have told me that sooner, I might not have been so terrified of slow flight. I might have put a little bit more practice uh, into my slow flight. I used to always wonder, 
you know, Mr. Miss Instructor, why on earth are we flying up here basically logging rotorcraft helicopter time? Because the prop, we're just hanging from a propeller right now. We're doing nothing across the ground in regards to our ground speed. It's Florida in the summertime, it's hot, there's no air flowing, and we're just hanging by a propeller. Why do I need to practice this maneuver? And if someone would have told me, they said, Jason, the better you get at slow flight, the better you get at landings, I said, ah, makes sense now. Get good at slow flight, get good at landings. Because right before you touch down, you're in a phase of slow flight. When you're in that airplane, it's drifting left or drifting right, and the controls are a little bit sloppy, you're in slow flight. That's why we learn to maneuver the airplane in slow flight. That's why we learn how to do it at 3,500 feet AGL, where it's a little bit safer to do it. Because when you only have 25 feet of error between you and the ground, well, things are a little bit more important uh, down there in ground effect, aren't they? The stakes are a little bit higher. Get good at slow flight, get good at landing. So if you're not good at slow flight aloft, please go do it aloft, 3,500 feet AGL minimum, please. And then come back and practice it down the runway. Treat it just as if it were a normal landing. A beautiful downwind, a great base, working in my flaps, bringing back my power, turning final, making my radio calls, everything's looking good. And right before I'm ready to transition, I'm gonna give it a little bit of power. And the airplane's gonna sink into ground effect. You're gonna feel yourself sink as you transition the nose, you transition your eyes down the runway. You're gonna need to give it a little bit of right rudder. You're also gonna need to give it a little bit more power. And kind of work that throttle to hold that airplane off the runway. Use those rudders to maintain center line. Your ailerons are gonna be all but ineffective because you're going so slow. There's no wind flowing out. The ailerons are gonna be, unless there's a crosswind, ailerons are gonna play such a small role in this. It's all about rudder, it'll be all about throttle and a little bit of pitch in there. But once you get that pitch set, you should be a-okay. And work that throttle to maintain your altitude just like you do in slow flight aloft. Little throttle adjustments. Hold those wheels inches off the ground. Use the rudder to learn how to control that airplane at slow air speeds. Because here's another problem I see. It's, I was gonna say student pilots, it's not even just student pilots, it's all pilots. I've seen instrument and aspiring commercial pilots have this problem, landing left of center. Who listening to this podcast has ever landed left of center? I think we all have. Landing left of center the common problem with it is, and this is going to hurt some people's feelings, but the, the common problem when you're landing left of center is giving up. And I know there's not a single person on this podcast that gives up at anything. But if you're landing left of center, you're giving up on your landings. You're flying the airplane down into ground effect and you're waiting for the ground to come to you. However, I advocate flying that airplane all the way to the hangar until it's time to shut down. Fly that airplane all the way to the ground, all the way to the hangar. If you're landing left of center, it's because you're letting P factor, which is very pronounced even at low air speeds because of ground effect, kind of adds a multiplier to it aerodynamically. 
We can get more into that maybe in the commercial pilot podcast. But aerodynamically, P factor is increased, even at that lower airspeed. You see, let me go on a P factor rant for just a second. Sometimes, you know, nuggets come out of these rants and sometimes they're just Jason rambling. So feel free to let me know either way how you feel. We use the term P factor. And again, this is really advanced. This is more a commercial pilot type topic because what you need to understand the private pilot level is P factors, a left turn in tendency. Great. However, my commercial pilot guys need to understand a little bit more because we use the term P factor, which is short for propeller factor, which is fine. And all it's saying is one propeller blade is creating a greater angle of attack than the other, the ascending and descending blade, thus pulling my airplane to the left. Absolutely, that's true. However, there's also something called the torque effect, or sometimes called the torque factor, which shows that my propeller spinning to the left like a top with that long leverage point is literally torquing my airplane over to the left. What happens when we're taking off and the moment we add power and we turn to the left, that's more torque factor than it is P factor, yet we lump it all under P factor. That's more just the crankshaft twisting our airplane over to the left than it is the propeller generating much anything because we're hardly moving through the air just yet. Whereas coming into land, everything's happening. The, there's hardly any torque effect because I'm back at idle. It's all P factor and it gets multiplied once I enter into ground effect. And that's what pulls me to the left, landing. If you're landing left to center, it's because you're giving up a little bit. The solution is, well, you say, okay, fly it to the ground. How do I fly it to the ground? With a heavier right foot. You just need a little bit more right rudder. People think you only need right rudder on takeoff and high RPM situations. That's not the case. You need right rudder in those low RPM situations as well. It's just as important to have a heavier right foot in that case. There isn't some magical crosswind that's always blowing from right to left and pushing you left of center. It's you not flying the airplane all the way to the ground. If you're landing left of center, have a heavier right foot. Practice slow flight down the runway, guys. I promise you, uh, even if you're good at landings, it's going to make you even that much better. Slow flight down the runway. Let's switch gears for a second. Let's talk about this FAA written test. We just recently, and by recently, within the past 30, 45 days, I'd say, rolled out what I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is the only ACS FAA written test prep. Remember, we are switching from the PTS practical test standards to now the ACS Airman certification standards. Very, very similar in, in how we're tested. Not a whole lot's changed. Now your requirements, our requirements have changed. We're just changing around the written test and we're changing how check rights work a little bit. We're taking those special emphasis areas. We're putting them all in context. Um, it's going to be better for you. However, I found some discrepancies with the written test. They said, listen, we're getting rid of all of those questions that aren't relevant anymore. For example, 
on the instrument pilot written, you could have went out 30 days ago and taken it and been quizzed on microwave landing systems. That's a technology that the FAA got rid of in 1994. Yet in 2015, soon to be 2016, you're still being quizzed on a technology that doesn't exist anymore. So they finally got rid of those questions. And they said, we're going to add more relevant GPS type questions. I said, this is great. We're finally going to make this written test more relevant. Well, one of those GPS questions that came up is, how many satellites at any one time, or how many GPS satellites at any one time are in the Earth's orbit? And you think, do I really need to know that to, to safely fly my airplane and to utilize my GPS? Absolutely not. Yet we're being quizzed on that. So we were in the studio um, with our director, John, and, and his team um, for about a month, every single day, um, shooting these videos and getting the new question database in there for you guys. Um, if you have a private pilot written test come up, coming up, I encourage you to use our FAA written test prep boot camp. You can learn more about it on m0a.com or in the Ground School Academy, groundschoolacademy.com. I want to say the URL is passmywritten.com. Passmywritten.com, I believe, is the URL if you want to learn more about that. It's pretty cool, too. I won't pitch on the, on the product because I want to share a little bit more about even the changes that are happening now and the updates we made this week to it. Um, the cost of the course is the... Uh, is the um, Score you want to earn on your written test. You want to earn 100? Well, the course is $100. You want to earn a 70? Well, the course is $70. If you don't score within five points of your desired score, I'll refund your money. So it's just that simple. You pay for 100 bucks and you get a 94? Well, I hope you're happy with the 94, but I'll still happily refund your money because you didn't get within five points of that score. So um, good stuff there. Here's some things that have changed. And just to show you, we're always on top of this. We have to be. We've built an entire business around creating pilots and keeping pilots safe. And we do it for you guys. So uh, I just received an email from uh, Dr. Adam. Uh, Adam B is his name on the uh, Ground School member webinars. Adam is a gold member of ours. Uh, regularly participates in our weekly workshop webinars that we do with those members. Just sent me an email saying, hey, Jason, passed my written, got an 88, happy with that. However, I thought I would have scored a little bit more, uh, a little bit higher. And two of the questions that got me were questions I hadn't seen before. And these are newish questions that uh, we've currently added now to our database. So you're uh, on top of it. Again, we're trying to always stay on top of it, have the most relevant questions uh, and relevant content for you guys inside that boot camp. Uh, he said, Maybe the question, uh, some of the questions I hadn't seen before, such as the fuel to air ratio in regards to weight or volume in a cylinder. Why on earth would I need to know the, the, the fuel to air mixture ratio inside of my cylinders, inside of my carburetor? Is it weight? Is it volume? Was the question. Does that make me a safer pilot knowing that? Absolutely not. And it, it breaks my heart, but it's a question on there. And I've said it before, how you prep for the written and how you prep for the check ride are two totally different things. 
We've tried our best to take the FAA written test and make it as real-world applicable as possible. So you're prepping for the written, but you're also preparing for the check ride. But most importantly, you're preparing to be a safe, real-world pilot. Because beyond these tests, that's what we want to create. And we want to create an environment where you continue to learn. We've built an entire business around a good pilot is always learning. It's not just our trademark and slogan. It's our business model. And it requires you to always continue learning. And I know you're listening to this podcast. You are the 1% of aviators that live out that mantra. It's the other aviators that have no clue what I'm talking about that we worry about, right? Let's continue with Adam's email, though. Another question he got asked was the difference between a dealer's registration and a normal aircraft registration. And as someone who's been in aviation business for a long time, I knew the answer to this, but I'm wondering, how is my aspiring private pilot supposed to know or going to know about being an aircraft dealer? Because technically, if you want to really dig into the FARs, I couldn't even represent an aircraft as an aircraft dealer for a private pilot with a private pilot certificate unless I have 200 hours. So yes, as a private pilot, you could be an aircraft dealer and you could demonstrate an aircraft to a prospective buyer. A little gray area commercial operation stuff going on in the FARs. Uh, not the first time or the last time we'll see it, but you have to have 200 hours to be able to do that. So technically, yes, it's kind of like, and they got rid of these questions. It's kind of like on the written test, you used to be quizzed, you're taxiing in a tailwheel aircraft and there is a crosswind from the left. How would you position the stick or yoke? Well, what you don't realize is that compared to a tricycle gear aircraft with a nose wheel, where we turn into the wind, in a tail dragger, you do the opposite. You, t you dive and turn away from the wind in a tail dragger aircraft. And the FAA said, well, Jason, technically you could become a private pilot in a tailwheel aircraft. Yeah, so they're going to quiz you on the written test, even though 98% of the pilot population learns to fly in what we're now calling conventional gear, essentially tricycle gear aircraft. You're going to quiz the, for the 2% that are doing tailwheel stuff. What I think, and what has happened, by the way, they have gotten rid of that question, thankfully, is that if you want to do it in a tailwheel aircraft, you should learn both ways, since it's only 2% of the pilot population, and then 98% should just learn in the aircraft they're flying. You know, you're already doing something special by flying in a tailwheel aircraft. You should learn the nuances of that tailwheel aircraft and how it compares to tricycle gear. And trust me, I'm, I'm not hating on tailwheel flying. I'm a huge tailwheel. Uh, I, did, I did my tailwheel in a Piper Vagabond. I'm in the market right now for like a, a 1940s Piper Cub just because it's cool. So I'm not hating on tailwheel flying. I'm hating on being quizzed on stuff that doesn't apply to me. Because I want to be a safe real world pilot. I don't want to be a safe book pilot. And there is such a difference between what happens in the books and what happens out in the real world, weather patterns. You know, why don't we spend some time teaching about weather? Why don't we spend some time 
educated on how to make smart go and no-go decisions instead of teaching me about dealer's registrations for aircraft and the fuel-to-air mixture in my cylinders. Is it weight? Is it volume? What, what is it? If I'm going to be an A&P, absolutely. If I'm an aspiring aircraft dealer, absolutely. But I'm just a hobbyist private pilot, or I'm just a private pilot who's aspiring to make a career at this aviation thing. And, and that's something I'll learn, but I don't know if I need to learn it at the private pilot level. So I apologize for ranting uh, on this, guys. I hope you enjoyed uh, the first edition of the Private Pilot Podcast. We at M0A.com just do our best to try to get out tailored content for you and where you're at in your flight training. You may be an aspiring private pilot, already a private pilot. You may be an ATP, and you're just living out that good pilot is always learning mantra uh, by listening to the Private Pilot Podcast. This is going to be a regular uh, podcast for us. We're up to seven podcasts now uh, with M0A.com. On top of our number one rated online ground school, 10 books. Guys, we are turning out uh, some serious aviation content. 2.4 million views uh, last year across our various uh, YouTube videos. 400 online ground school videos. Just just crazy stuff uh, that we do, and we do it all for you guys to help make you guys safer, smarter pilots. So to hear more of those great podcasts, just search M0A or M0A.com in iTunes, your Google Play Store, or better yet, visit M0A.com. See our great videos, our best-selling books, our number one rated online ground school. It's there for you guys. If you haven't taken your FAA written yet, PassMyWritten.com. If you're struggling with landings, also check out our book, The Secret to Perfect Landings. Enjoy the rest of your day, guys. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.